The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers, although maybe one day they might. Well, maybe, if I ever get a job. <laughs> it never really gets old with my wife. She says, uh, you know, when are you going to get a job? I said, well, sweetie, I'm self-employed. I'm working for myself. She goes... Yeah, that's a nice way of saying you're unemployed. No, 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 dear. Money is coming in, and I just happen to be doing it this way. Uh-huh, she says. So, you see. Here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. 300 bucks could turn your next party into the worst party ever. Or the best, depending on your opinion of karaoke. We'll introduce you to the Sing Tricks. Here's a cool idea for Google Glass. Watch the orchestra from the perspective of the conductor. Now, there's a problem with that, but a Cornell professor has a solution. A Blade Runner tribute that doesn't include a voiceover. We'll explore an album being made with the same gear Vangelis used in the 1980s. Plus, a Geeks and Beats update on synesthesia and sex. And why scalping Justin Bieber tickets can be torture, even if you don't have to listen to him sing. (laughs) And now... Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. The machine that can make any karaoke clown into a rock god. Yeah, I am not the kind of person who in any way, shape, or form approves of karaoke. In fact, I think it's a blight. <laughs> um, but this is a cool thing. It's called Singtrex. It's a little box. I guess it's about the size of a paperback book, if anybody remembers what a paperback book looks like anymore. And it, uh, I guess it's kind of like an, an, an auto-tune voice manipulator that uh, can turn any, you know, dweeb or douchebag into a, a pretty good sounding singer. I was, was lost. Yeah, it seems to primarily basically give you that chorus sound effect. So you, it sounds like there's 16 or 18 of you in a room all singing along to the song. There are 300 presets, universal and song presets, from retro to modern vocal effects covering almost every generation of music and genre of music as well. And what fascinates me is that not only does it act as a, as a chorus effect, but it also allows you to play air guitar with your mouth. What? Yes! I didn't see that part. What, what are you talking about? Listen. To this, who needs piano when I got the old air fingers? Thanks to this machine, I was a guitar today. So, yeah, so as you go, wow, 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 it's like playing a guitar. Really? Yeah. Hey now, you're an all star, get the show on, get paid. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. All that glitters is gold. Okay, <laughs> it's maybe maybe I don't like this as much as I used to. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Now you don't need instruments. Well, no. So, so what you're telling me is that that you can make this thing so that you sound like Peter Frampton on Frampton Comes Alive. Exactly with a talking guitar. Oh, okay. Now that's 
Ooh, I yeah. can't. Is it making it worse or making it better for you? It's it's making it worse. I mean, kind of like with Bon Jovi on uh, uh, whatever that song is. And when it comes down to it, it uh, pumps it out on a 40-watt stereo speaker uh, with a built-in subwoofer for 2.1 a sound. So this is like a perfect party uh, thing. And Wait, def- define perfect. Well, okay. Yeah, may- maybe not your idea of a good party. And certainly not mine either. I've never been a karaoke type of guy. And I've always sat there and winced when friends have gone up and done karaoke or even people who friends of mine who are professional musicians i I cannot watch my friends perform there is something about it i'm just that much of a jerk that there's a side of my head that's constantly critiquing the performance i just can't sit back and enjoy my friend doing a good job or a bad job as the case may be no and and my sister years ago used to run a karaoke at a a kind of a rundown club and not a club a, a hotel beverage room in winnipeg and, uh, you know, my mom said, well, you go see what your sister does. She's in the entertainment business. Oh, really? So my sadness is down on its luck beverage room watching these people built out, you know, I will always love you from Whitney Houston. I mean, it was just... Well, there's more than that available from the Sing Tricks. It comes with an app as well with 13,000 songs with lyrics and is available for a monthly subscription or you can buy songs individually. <sighs> wow. Just the, the thought of the kind of person that would buy a subscription. It even comes with a microphone. It comes with And the microphone stand, for that matter, it comes with everything you need to have either the best party in the world or the worst. Okay, let's. Can we move on? Because I'm, I'm just. Um, it's only three hundred bucks. I think I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. No, you're not. Well, what am I going to do? You know what? It's going it's to go right to Gazelle.com. There's no way. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm. I'm. No. 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 I, I should also warn you that I, I've, I've broken open my uh, my Thai whiskey. Uh, tonight. Ah, okay. See, now normally we record the program on a Monday morning, but due to technical difficulties, uh, we ended up having to re-record the show. And so now at least it's not 930 in the morning when you're breaking out the scotch. No, no. I. It is, uh, it is uh, well after dinner and I feel completely after the day that I had today because, um, you know, with the technical problems and, and something else went wrong and something else went wrong and something else went wrong. It was just one of those bad Mondays. So I needed my Thai whiskey. I I had a bad technology weekend the other weekend. It was my hard drive on my primary PC that died. My media center stopped functioning as well. The uh, home automation system was acting up. It's live by the sword, die by the sword. I had the same problem yesterday. Uh, Was it yesterday? No, it was Saturday night. We were going out and my wife says, turn off the TV before we leave. So I, I tried to turn off the TV and it wouldn't turn off. So that automatically means that there was something wrong with the home automation system. And it was a network issue. So I had to go back and, and try and figure out, you know, what was actually, you know, all these different boxes had to be rebooted. And I think it was this this massive Cisco switch that I have in the basement with, you know, a thousand wires coming out of it. It's the last thing that I ever end up uh, resetting because it's usually solid as a rock, but it was the thing that was messing up. And I had conflicting IP addresses and, oh. God, it was just awful. That's not what I wanted to yeah. do on Sunday. First world geek problems. Yeah, it is. It really is. Speaking of first world geek problems, uh, we've got the Google Glass, which, as we've discussed in the past, 
is a solution in search of a problem. And I think we found the problem. It could be uh, this. Uh, there's a what's her name? She's a Cynthia Turner is her name. Right. So she's she's a, a, a classical music instructor. And she uh, focuses on, well, she's a conductor, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. A professor of performance at Cornell's Department of Music and leader of the university's Winds Ensemble. Right. So she's using Google Glass as a, um, a, a teaching device. I'm just going to read her tweet. I use it in the music studio, rehearsal room, and classroom to record conducting students and to give them immediate feedback. Okay. I, I, I can see it because I would like... I think that there is an opportunity for Google Glass in the world of music. And I've seen a couple of situations where artists will wear them on stage, which gives you this really cool point of view of, of what it's like to be in front of a crowd. And, uh, you know, once we get past this, the, 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 you, know, you have to have them custom fit for your face, I guess, right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, once we get past that and once we get people, once, once Google Glass uh, comes in um, – Prescription lenses. Which is coming soon, apparently. They just announced. Yes. So I think that's, you know, we'll see it take off. I don't want to see people walking down the street with these things. I think that's weird and creepy and wrong. But as a tool to use for for certain things, like, uh, what's her name, uh, Cynthia Turner, I, I think this is a really cool idea. The only problem is, is that the little screen that is hovering above your right eye on Google Glass is way too small for them to use it right now for the remarkable amount of sheet music necessary for a conductor to be able to use it without sheet music. They're also experimenting with the idea that you could actually see from the perspective of the conductor, but the problem there is the lag between the compression of the video coming in and it being outputted and decompressed. It's a split-second delay such that when the big symbol crashes and she's looking at the symbolist, it's not crashing in sequence, so it's really difficult to use this in a real-time environment right now. So what she's figured out the neat solution is, since the screen is too small for the full lyrics, is to be able to provide color tone changes in the corner of her eye so she knows when perhaps there needs to be a crescendo or you need to be a little bit more quiet. Uh, so you, she's got that visual cue to help her along. Okay. Well, whatever works. I, I think it's, this is a work in progress. I mean, you can't go to a store right now and buy a set of Google Glass. You have to be invited to purchase some. Uh, it's 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 a start. It's a start. Um, what is also a start right now is the Pebble Watch, and I'm thinking of that as an alternative. No, yes. no, 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 no. Do you have one yet? I don't have a Pebble Watch. I was thinking about getting one. Okay. Uh, I've had the use of the Samsung Gear smartwatch as well, but I only had it for 24 hours. They say they're going to be sending me one for a longer-term review. But in the meantime, the folks over at Pebble who make the smartwatch, the first smartwatch ever, really, uh, they have updated it for iOS 7 so that more than just a phone call at, or a text will come through on the little display, it will now push anything that gets sent to your notification screen onto your hand onto your wrist. And uh, what makes this better than, say, a a Samsung Gear type of product is that this uses that e-ink for the screen. So you only have to charge the thing once a week, whereas you'd likely be charging a Samsung watch every couple of days. Okay. Well, that's fine. Um, But still... uh See, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm not sold on the watch thing. I really am not. But we've had this argument before because I treat, I still wear watches. I wear watches as jewelry, as bling. It's the only bling I have. I don't even wear a wedding ring because it, it bothers my, no, Jesus. <laughs> Dude. It bothers my, I know it bothers. But anyway, she's after, after, after 25 years, she's, she's, she's kind of, you know. You've been married 25 years? Uh, no, I, we've been together since 1987. We've been married in 1990. So we are 23 years. 
married. Wow. Yeah, it's a long time. Impressive. Yes. Meantime, uh, the whole point of this whole update for the Pebble, for me, is not that I can check to see what the tweets are coming in on my wrist. But uh, for things like uh, Google Maps, you can. it will now push to the wrist, turn left, turn right, and it'll vibrate as you go along so that you don't have to keep whipping out your phone as you do. Yeah, okay, fine. Or you could just go out and get yourself a neck tattoo microphone. Okay, now this is interesting. It's not something that I would necessarily use, but uh, I guess it's... Uh, okay, I, watch this. This is the phone on my studio ringing. Yes. Okay. It's supposed to be on so vibrate. I'll, okay, oh, no, no, no. This is the actual studio... Okay, hang on. Uh, let me just... Hello? Royal Page? No. Okay, there. They're gone. I, I thought it was going to be one of these guys asking if I wanted my ducks cleaned. <laughs> Is that what the kids are calling it today? Oh, listen. We get calls from someplace in Bangalore three times a day from people asking if we need our furnace ducks clean. And you know the answer is always no. Go away. Um, I did play... Uh, a bit of a, a, a prank on a guy. He says, no, my ducks are very clean. He says, how do you know, sir? He says, well, I wash them every day. He says, you wash your ducks every day? He says, yes, they're happy little quackers. <laughs> my favorite is when the guy knocks on the door and uh, he wants to replace the water heater uh, in my house. And I say, I don't have a water oh. heater. And he looks at me like I'm from Mars. How, how is it possible you have a house that doesn't have a water heater, sir? I said, simple. I've got a on-demand water heater. See those guys. I don't. I, I don't trust those guys at all. I mean, they're they're. No, they're, you don't let them in the house. To, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. Meantime, Motorola says that they've come up with a better way to make hands-free calls, and it's in the form of a tattoo that's actually a little tiny microphone and all of the wiring embedded underneath your skin. So it is underneath the skin, right? Yes. Okay, so. What this will do, correct me if I'm wrong, is that it will stop you from having to have the Lieutenant Uhura thing in your ear. Correct. Uh, the Bluetooth thing. Or uh, talking into the little microphone that always picks up all the wind noise that's um, on the uh, one of the, the cords of your earbuds, right? Because what it's doing is it's picking up the vibrations in your actual throat where the, your vocal cords are in the first place. So you don't actually need to talk very loud either. And it is the same sort of thing as what the commandos use when they're on a mission so that uh, it's got this sort of little throat strap around them so they can talk to each other just at a whisper. See, that's kind of cool. I mean, I could see that. Although, again, this implanted technology is a bit creepy for some people. But uh, but, but, but I can see it. The, the other thing that these guys use, these commandos use, is they use the bone conduction earphones. Right. So they don't have anything stuck in their ears. So they can, they're actually aware of all the sounds that are going on around them. And what they end up hearing through this bone conduction is, is the sound just sort of materializes in their head. Which is uh, which is pretty cool. Motorola calls the patented device Electronic Tattoo 110 and would comprise of audio circuitry that enables reception of acoustic signals from a person's throat. I'm reading through the patent right here. The weird thing is, is that uh, how it communicates with your cell phone is through NFC or Bluetooth. And what that means, of course, is at some point you will have to charge your neck. Oh, <laughs> so you'll have to have little bolts on your neck like Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, could you imagine? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I never thought of that. You wouldn't have to worry about the earbud tangling anymore. Uh, no, <laughs> but that's a really good... Okay, charge your neck. 
So you'd have to do it at night, of course, when you sleep. So now you have this big, long cable sticking off your neck. <laughs> yes, and if the power goes out, well, then you've got a problem the next day. Exactly. I'm sorry, man. I'm feeling really low right now. <laughs> uh, okay. Excellent. Thank you. Sort of a back to the future kind of idea, which brings me to this Blade Runner tribute that's more than a replicant, according to Gizmodo. Hi, I'm Frederick. I'm a composer involved in a new crowdfunded project called Moments Lost. Our goal is to create new music and art inspired by the world of Blade Runner, a world with great stories, stunning visuals, and amazing music. This world has always inspired us, and now it's time to go there. I like this idea because it uses this uh, this ancient synthesizer. Yes, the Yamaha CS80. This is one of those really coveted old analog synthesizers. It all started here with the Yamaha CS80, the synthesizer that defined the Blade Runner sound and the main reason this project was born. One day, while working in the studio, I started playing around with the classic brass lead sound. And a few hours later, the first track was born. After very positive feedback online, we decided to contact illustrators Killian Eng and HRFM to join our team. Crowdfunding is the natural step for this project. We can keep creative control and reach an audience interested in the combination of music, art, and ideas. Well, this is the original Yamaha CS80. They're actually using the same gear that uh, Vangelis composed the original soundtrack of Blade Runner on. And this Swedish group is trying to raise money on Indiegogo to come out with a tribute album that uses the actual gear. When digital synthesizers came along and FM synthesizers, inf, inf, FM synthesis synthesizers came along, a lot of these things were junked. Because they were analog. They used actual tubes and all this kind of nonsense. Well, not, not tubes, but they, the way they, they produce their voices. Um, and and the, this one was, was, was huge. It was, like, it was like 200 pounds, but it did have what was known as eight voice um, polyphony. So you could play eight notes simultaneously. Which was really, really new. If you wanted to be able to play one note, I mean, that was one thing, but if you wanted to actually play chords or up to eight notes, that was that was pretty uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, even my low-end synthesizer that I had in high school only did six. Yeah, yeah, eight was huge. So um, sci-fi artist Killin Ng and uh, HRFM, apparently is the, the guy's name. Can you imagine being born HRFM, put it on the form and everything? That was his name? Yeah, that's his name. He's a noted huh. sci-fi artist, apparently. I will provide visuals to complete the package. So if you go to Indiegogo.com and decide that you want to contribute to this, and by the way, there's, as of this recording, 47 days left, and they're only about 8,000 Euro, 8, euros into their 25,000 euro goal. That's okay. It's not bad. Still has some time. But uh, seven euros will get you a digital release. But if you're willing to drop 50,000 euros... They'll actually sell you the Yamaha CS80. Okay, that's a bit overpriced. You think? Well, yes. 50,000 euros for one of these things? No. That's about 90,000 Canadian dollars. Um, okay, 1.35 is what we're looking at right now. So add another third on top of that. Okay. So, yeah, you know what? Uh, $75,000. If uh, you are willing to not shell out that kind of cash, but you would still put up, say, 50 euros, you get a screen print from HRFM uh, of the actual artwork in addition to the digital download of the full album. So far, no one's claimed that. They uh, have 21 people who are willing to shell out 30 euros for the T-shirt and the digital download. That seems to be the sweet spot. Yeah. Again, it's all about finding that uh, what people will, 
annual purchase. It is a unique sound, though, that Vangelis created for Blade Runner. Yeah, I mean, you, you watch that movie, and it, it you know there there are some dated moments to it. Are you familiar with the Blade Runner curse? Which one? The Blade Runner curse uh, shows a whole collection of different companies that were paid advertisements strategically placed throughout the film. And almost all of them have either died really? or gone bankrupt or gone bankrupt and reborn. I didn't know that. That's creepy. Let me look it up. Yeah. Okay. Atari had 70% of the home console market in 1982, but faced losses of over $2 million in the first quarter of 1991. Bell, which was there, lost its monopoly in 1982. Pan Am filed for bankruptcy protection in 91. Coca-Cola, shortly after the film was released, introduced New Coke. Oh. The company saw its biggest growth in American history after pulling the plug on New Coke. Cuisinart, which uh, takes uh, center stage in Decker's home, filed for bankruptcy protection in July of 1989. Isn't that interesting? I Okay, well, I will watch that. One of the many director's cuts, I will uh, watch that again. Oh, okay. So here's the question, though. Do you prefer the director's cut over the one that made it into the theaters? Uh, it, you know what? It depends on what time of day and how much time I have. Because the big difference was that there was a voiceover in the theatrical release. Yeah, I don't like the voiceover. Because that, that, you know, um, uh, Ridley Scott didn't want to have that, but I think he was forced to have it in when, when they, when they uh, made him edit it for, for time. Yeah, the belief was was that there was no way we would understand what was going on. And Ridley Scott's belief was that you don't underestimate the consumer, you overestimate the consumer. Yeah, well, that's Hollywood. Yeah. Well, Hollywood never went broke underestimating. No. Uh, overestimating. No, uh, no. No. What's the term? Yeah. Uh, Paul, Paul Blart Mallcop, I believe, is the term. <laughs> Cut the cord and go to geeksandbeats.com anytime. You'll get the latest episode and links to the stories the boys are talking about. Geeksandbeats.com. Also available on 8-track and cassette. Uh, taking us back to about the same time, Peter Gabriel's So album was released in 1986, and you found a lost track? track. Uh, the album received a 25th anniversary reissue last year, and this track was on. It's called Courage. Oh, so it's not a lost track. No, but for some reason, Pete's decided to refurbish it, remix it, add some stuff to it, and release it again. Did you call him Pete? I did. Have you ever called him Pete to his face? I have never called him Pete to his face. Have you ever interviewed him? No, he's one of the guys that I'm missing, um, and I'm a huge Peter Gabriel fan. Okay, so then what about his non-girlfriend girlfriend, Kate Bush? Have you ever interviewed her? Yes, I have. Oh, man, I am so jealous. I have actually touched her. 
I have in my office a framed Kate Bush autograph. Have, you, have I never shown that to you? No, but I told I told you outright. If there was anything from the CFNY music collection that um, I would covet, it would either be Kate Bush's Hounds of Love or The Cure's Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Okay, I have both. I know you have both, and you have her autograph you now boast. I, I, think, I think somewhere in the house I have a picture taken with her, too. She was really, really uh, very, very shy. She was in Toronto for the premiere of her Red Shoes short film, which is a terrible, terrible short film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, she was in, and she actually uh, deigned to be interviewed. This was part of, um, oh, and some guys flew up from from New York to actually do the interview. And uh, was, I was there. I made sure that I was there for it, and I, and I, and I did touch her. Meantime, this uh, track Courage from Peter Gabriel that is a, a non-lost track, I, I can understand why it didn't make it onto So in the first place. It's a throwaway track. It's, it's you know, uh, So is such a solid record. It ended up selling 10 million copies. I think there were five or six singles from the record. Uh, this one did not belong. This was a B-side at best, and it didn't even make it as a B-side. Geeks and Beats update. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. Frontiers in Psychology has been doing some research on synesthesia, as have we, apparently. Yes, uh, synesthesia is this condition where your senses get uh, scrambled a little bit, or I guess they overlap, so some people will see color. Yeah, they'll see colors. No, that doesn't make sense. What will they do? They'll see sounds. They will smell numbers, you know, all kinds of weird things. Yeah. And and Alyssa, who is a Geeks and Beats listener, had uh, written in to say that she uh, had synesthesia for numbers and that numbers had colors for her. According to the Frontiers in Psychology in the Cognitive Science Department, they've been doing research on the connection between synesthesia and orgasms. Hmm. Um. Should should we call Alyssa? <laughs> no, I don't think she would appreciate us giving her a ring to find out what she thinks of this. Uh, maybe she'll call in and tell us what she has to say on the subject. Alyssa, but, I would be very interested from a scientific point of view, of course. Right. And again, keep in mind that she sees colors in numbers, and she didn't say anything about orgasms. What they learned was that at the height of um, pleasure, that... The subjects do, in fact, see colors uh, much the way the rest of us, I suppose, would see bright white light uh, and that the room is filled with a mixture of colors at the height of orgasm. However, further analysis also concluded that this additional sensory contribution to the moment failed to actually make sex any better. Well, it would make it more colorful, quite literally. But apparently sexual intercourse no impact whatsoever, according to their research. Okay. Um, so this is not exactly the superpower I thought it was. No, no, it's not. Um, but you know, still, I mean, you know, you see, you hear people talking about fireworks and, and, and uh, you know, lights going off. And, and the earth moving. And the earth moving. I Listen. I think it should be explored for the for the benefits of science. All right. So you are encouraging Alyssa to call in. I would just, just you know. Alyssa, if, if you're up for it, 323-319-NERD is the number. <laughs> and I apologize in advance. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's my fault. Geeks and Beats update on a conversation we had when uh, iTunes and the Beatles uh, buried the hatchet. And you could now download uh, the Beatles catalog from the world's most popular downloading site. We've got apparently the most pirated band in the world is also the Beatles. 
Yeah, this is not terribly surprising, but let's do a little bit of backstory here first. This is a story that came out of the UK from a company called Muso. Muso tracks... Well, first of all, Muso is an anti-music piracy company. So they've got a reason to uh, think about this in the first place. In in Yes. We don't know. It, their, their methodology for determining this list is unclear, but this list came on a slow news weekend, and I think it has to do, um, you know, it, people are just writing this from a press release. Okay. So that in mind. They say, and I believe this actually, that the Beatles are the most pirated band in the world. And I understand that because it was, like you said, for a very long time, you could not get the Beatles legally online. Uh, and there were Russian sites that were selling Beatles songs for 10 cents, completely uh, you know, unauthorized. So, okay, the Beatles. Number two on their list is Fleetwood Mac, which I find a bit strange. I didn't realize there were that many Fleetwood Mac songs that uh, people wanted to get illegally. 72,984 Mar- uploaded files, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Bob Marley's number three. Again, I can I, I, I believe that because Bob Marley's such a universal guy. He's His music is being downloaded in places that have, let's say, uh, uh, less than stringent copyright laws. Uh, Led Zeppelin's number four. Okay, fine, maybe for the same reason. But I don't understand. This is where it kind of goes off the rails for me. Number five, according to Muso, the number five, the fifth most pirated artist in the world, Cliff Richard? The British pop singer? I don't get it. downloading Cliff Richard songs. I don't know. Who? He's had a career for, what, 50 years now. The guy's in his 70s. Uh, Yeah, so? Uh, I want you to name me a Cliff Richard hit. I can't. So there you go. But apparently he's associated with the Drifters and Olivia Newton-John, according to Wikipedia. You know, the last big hit I I recall with him was Devil Woman 1976. Stevie Wonder's on the list, Jimi Hendrix, Elvis, number nine, with 35,193 uploads. ABBA? Yep. ABBA has sold 400 million albums around the world. I wouldn't admit to stealing anything from ABBA. Hey, did you know that, uh, I, I think we, we can talk about this, there's there's rumor that they're getting back together. Oh, well, thank God. the 40th anniversary of their uh, release of Waterloo, which is their first big single, their Eurovision hit that, that broke them wide open. And uh, they would like to, somebody who said, Agnetha, I guess, was talking to a German newspaper or a German magazine over the weekend, and she said that they want to do something to acknowledge this 40th anniversary, and, you know, what could it be? At one point, and this is 10, 15 years ago, somebody offered ABBA a billion dollars to get back together for a series of shows, and they turned it down. How many, Carl Sagan? A billion. (laughs) And number 10 on the list, uh, with no surprise, I suppose, is the Rolling Stones. What is perhaps a surprise is that uh, someone was trying to buy fake 
Justin Bieber tickets. And what was even more surprising is that he was willing to pay $20,000 for them. Three guys in Tennessee. I don't know what part of Tennessee. Three guys in Tennessee, one of whom is named Bubba, swear to God, approach this guy and say, look, we want you to sell us some Justin Bieber tickets so we can scalp them, so we can sell them at inflated prices. This guy goes out, gets him some tickets, takes $20,000 in exchange for this, and it turns out that the tickets are fake. So Bubba and his buddies find this guy and, and quite literally torture him. They, they burn him with cigarette butts, they put a dog collar on him and start choking him and doing all kinds of, of things to the, to, to, to the dude. But, I mean, there's, there's no one really... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, innocent in this whole thing. I could easily argue that going to a Justin Bieber concert is torture in and to itself. But what surprised me the most is that among the three men who were arrested for the torture was Rutherford County Commissioner Matthew Young. What is this? Hazard County? <laughs> I want to take this to a higher court. Then get yourself a ladder. <laughs> Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a new stand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.